This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard. Alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. G'day, everybody. And uh, Nick Canton is back, and we are going to team up to answer all your questions. Hello, Nick. Hello, Matthew. Where does he come from again? Uh, TV. Television. Okay, television's only Nick Canton. Okay. <laughs> I was confused with Nick Canton we had yeah. on the program. Please, please, please address me by my full title whenever possible. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the television man. <laughs> <laughs> Should we explain that for the people who don't, who aren't on, on the joke? For the, you know? Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know how much there is to explain. I was on TV a couple of times. And now you're big. No, no, it's more to do with the men at the pub approaching the guy you. At the pub recognizing oh, you from Fox Sports News was incredible. Yeah, that was awesome. We were at the New Market Hotel a few weeks ago, just hanging out, and um, <laughs> these two fellas at a table across the room kept looking at us. And I thought, oh man, something's something's up here. They're going to try and fight us or something. This is going to suck. And then one of them left, and the one that stayed came up to us and said, um, "Mate, I don't want to bother you, but uh, were you on Fox Sports News on the weekend? You get that, Nick Canton." And initially, I thought it was Bungard or one of my other pals trying to, you know, pull a ruse on me, trying to pull the wool over my eyes. A but it was ruse. The fellow had watched one of my appearances on there, so that was pretty cool. And then the exact same thing happened at a different pub the following evening. It was unbelievable. It was, truly. So I love um, it. That's, well, it's, that's... Unbelievable. it's unbelievable that someone's watching Fox Sports News at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, but uh, here we are. Yeah, but it was it was good, and you are henceforth TV's Nick Canton. So, without any yeah, further that's the, that's the, that's the scintillating origin story. Let us get into the questions. Are you serious? We're going to have any questions. Okay, questions over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. If you want to make sure your question is answered. First one comes from uh, Andy. He says for Campo. Did the Raiders lost to the Warriors and the situation surrounding it automatically mean you had more sympathy for the Knights this weekend gone? Um, not particularly. I'm a pretty sympathetic person at the best of times. <laughs> I need my own team to get crippled by injury to feel bad for another team getting crippled by injury. You know, I quite like the Knights. I think the Knights and the Raiders have a bit of an affinity. I think they're very similar in a lot of ways. So I've always had a bit of a soft spot for them anyway. That loss to the Warriors, it was strange because I was upset that they lost because um, I'm always upset when they lose. But the, the circumstances just felt so unusual. It was kind of like, well, you know, there's nothing or there's nothing that you can really do about two blokes getting knocked out and a third bloke, you know, getting his ankle ripped off or whatever. And even though all those terrible things happened and they had the shitty forward pass call, they still should have won. Jordan Rapana should have finished that chance at the end. I know Roger Tulvashek made a great effort saving it and all that, but Rapana should have finished that. So, and I think with the Knights, it, it's a little bit different. I probably have more sympathy for the Knights than I did when the Raiders lost because the Knights have lost guys to long-term injuries, you know, and where the Raiders were able to spin around and have that, this week they'll have everyone that got injured that day, they'll have them back. The Knights have, are going to be without Tex for a while. They're without Pierce for 10 weeks. And all of a sudden they're two and two and they're looking like they're going to be two and three. And they've got a very tough run coming up. So probably more sympathy for the Knights, if anything, um, person who asked that question. Thank you, person. Okay, next question. Harvey G. I think it's very nice and charitable of a huge TV star to pay it forward in this way. <laughs> I guess this is more of a comment than a question. Good, good. 
Uh, Nathan Thorson it's says... A, it's a very, handsome, very handsome question, Harvey, and I applaud you for asking it. <laughs> Why does... This is Nathan Thorson, a reminder there. Why does Campo play rugby for Camden and not rugby league for Camden? Great question. Can I field this one? Um, <laughs> of course. Well, I'll yeah, thank first, you. I will field this one. Uh, it's because he's a coward <laughs> who avoids contact. <laughs> well, no, it's... Um, well. I wanted to make a play and come back this year. I've wanted to for a couple of years. Last year, it just made it, it just made it impossible. Um, and this year, I was really, really keen to do it. But you've got to be at least a little bit fit to play any sort of park rugby league, and I'm not very fit at all. <laughs> so it's much easier to get through a game of rugby union than it is to get through a game of rugby league. Plus, a lot of my mates were playing rugby union, playing rugby union at this present time, and Camden only started the third grade league team this year so it's not a comment on my preferences for league or union it's probably a comment on that unions are a bit easier to play if you're old and washed up and out of shape speaking of which wasn't there like a 55 year old guy playing yeah the opposition fullback um the campbelltown fullback was 53 his name was Tui. he still got it incredible <laughs> Uh, I think every time people hear your stories every every old man or man over 25 on this podcast is like you know what I, we, I can strap the boot on again. Let's get out there. But next question. I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell you what, if I can come back after nine years and play all right, and I did play all right, you can do it too. So if you're thinking about playing again or playing for the first time, do it. Buy some boots, get a mouth guard fitted, go down to training, smash someone, get smashed. Just do it. Just do it. You won't regret it. I'll come watch. I'll come play with you if you want. Uh, Chris Shepard. He says, do you reckon Wunga Blake makes it back into the sentence for Para when he's healthy again? Or has Nia Kore done enough to keep him out? Personally, he reckons he'll have a hard time budging Nia Kore. It's a really interesting one because obviously they could put Nia Kore somewhere else and it would be quite good as well. But he's shocked everyone, I think, with how good he's been this year. And we pointed to Wunga Blake quite often as a weak spot for the Eels in the past. Um and yeah, I mean, if they keep winning games and he keeps playing well, I don't know if you can mess with that. They probably will, though. Nia Kore is enormous. Like, I know he was always a forward and he played a lot in the middle and that, but when you see him out there, he looks like one of the biggest players on the team. He's almost he's not that much shorter than Sean Lane. But it's, it's, he's not just going, out there, going well out there because he's a great athlete. He's, a really, he's surprisingly skillful as well. That try set up for Blake Ferguson against the Sharks. Any centre in the world would have been proud of that little move and that flick pass and all that. I'd probably keep Neil Corey in the centres just because I think Wanga Blake has been such a swinging goat for them over the last couple of years. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll stick with Blake and Neil Corey stays in the team, maybe as a bench middle or something like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Neil Corey... Probably he's earned to keep that spot. I don't know if they'll keep it that way, though. But he's been... We've all been Nia Kore fans on this podcast before. But he's been an absolute star in the centres for three games, it, it seems, and a massive surprise that he's performed out there. Having over 100 metres every week doesn't hurt either. Anyway, Jai Arrow is the 11th best middle. It's Jack Cronin says. I think you've spoken a bit about it in the past. But overall thoughts on Stag's move to 5'8". And he's mentioned white and all similar, but he's keen to hear our thoughts on his ceiling or how much a project we think it is. So I guess we can cover this one a little more again, the the project sense. But I, I will say before I pass over to you two, I do hate the thing. Well, he played 5'8 when he was 14. To get all of the good players played in the halves when they were teenagers. All that was about getting the ball to the good player 
first. I, I, I do think Whiten is the is the model for Stags, and I, I'd like to see Stags play five eight a little, maybe a little bit unconventionally. Like for example, I wouldn't be adverse to seeing Stags maybe take some some hit ups on exits that's doing carries that a centre or a wing would normally do. Because I feel like a bit like Whiten in his first days at five eight, Stags can be such an overwhelming physical presence that you've got to try and get the most out of that any which way you can. And sometimes you're not going to get out of you're not going to get the best out of him if he's just sitting at second receiver and either hitting his, hitting his second row or throwing it at the back to his fullback. I think you want to get him involved as much as possible. So I just hope they don't get too nailed into, well, he's a 5'8", so he's got to play this way. I hope they're just creative enough to let him sort of play to his strengths because if he does that, you know, the, the, I, would just, I would presume the ceiling is, is, is very high because he is just such a naturally talented footballer. I never thought centre was going to be his long-term spot just because it, it, it felt like he could be a little bit more, but I think it'll really depend on how his skills come along, how he comes along as a passer and, and, and as a kicker. Cause I couldn't even tell you what he sort of got in his kit bag at the minute. Cause he just, you just haven't seen it. Yeah. He doesn't love a pass, uh, but yeah, it doesn't mean he hasn't got one, <laughs> but yeah, he hasn't played six for like, since like the 16s or 18s. Like, there's like nothing in his under twenties record, Queensland cup record in that position. And he's actually played more back row, like he split back row and center quite a bit in the, in those grades. But I'm not, I don't think he can't do it because he's a, such a talented player, as you mentioned, Campo. I just not sure if I want it to be my my first priority. But I do think he has got that um, ability for just shit happens around him, and he might be a really good six in the opposition twenty. Just a real dependent on if he's the six they need for the full field. Like it's um. It's easy to see Tom Dearden in that steering the team around role, but it's got to be a reality first, if you get me. It's got to happen for a number of weeks rather than – we can all see he has that talent, but I haven't seen him do it for 10 weeks in a row. So you've got to be confident that he can already carry that shit before you can be confident Stags just slotting in at six and doing whatever he feels like. Uh, Harvey G, here we go. Thoughts on Connor Watson's performances at lock so far this season? Oh, I've been, loved him. It's been great. I've absolutely loved him. I really have. Yeah, him and Peachy loving this season, right? Well, I, I think Watson's a little bit like Peachy, where his his position has been staring us in the face the whole time. It's just not really existed. It just didn't exist early enough for him to slot in there. But when when you look at it now with a little bit of hindsight, it makes sense because it just accentuates all the things he does well while minimising the things he doesn't do so well. I've I've really liked his work off the bench for the Knights in the middle of the field. I, I really like that he gives them a little bit of a passing presence when they've got so many good yardage guys like Clemmer and the, and the twins and all that. And I think it's, it's a, it's a shame that we're not going to see their, their best spine and Watson all on the field together for a very long time, because I just, I really, really do think it, it, it would work well. You know, I've, I've been, I, I expected it to go well. I didn't expect it to go this well this early, especially given he was coming off an Achilles and that can be a very tough injury to recover from in terms of, um, Speed and power and explosiveness. Shouts, shouts to NRL physio who told me that. <laughs> it is one of those things, hey, like him and Peachy, they both, when they play 13, you don't live and die by their decision-making. You get like a bit of bonus. They do some dumb shit sometimes, you're fine. But when they both played in the halves this week and again, you're like, ah, oh, that's, yeah, that's why that doesn't work. <laughs> that's why we weren't doing it, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, okay, here's one. It actually was answered in response, asked in response to, Jack's one. I'll ask you this, Bungard. What do you think about moving Mar- Joey Manu to 5'8"? I, I, 
it's the same apprehension I have about the Stags move as well, which I'm not as big on as you as you two seem to be. I just worry that we're obsessed with prioritizing some positions over the mm-hmm. other, and sometimes it's at the detriment of two positions. Um, if you get me, and Whiten's probably the exception to that rule rather than the rule itself. And given how bad the center position is as a whole right now in the NRL, I'm starting to question. I'm just not sure whether moving either of those guys out of there just to play them in a position where they can touch the ball more often, but perhaps not be as effective every time they do get the ball is a good idea. I, again, I, I'm not sure about the kicking game for Joe Manu. I'm, I'm with, I'm like Campo said about stags. I'm not really sure. I haven't seen it. Um, and there's obviously you can't really showcase your passing game when you're playing in the, in the centers as much as you could, if you're playing on both sides of the field, but yeah, I think it'd be a lot of the same problems as, as, as with stags, but the difference the main difference would probably be that this would be at the Roosters who are good rather than at the Broncos who are not good. So yeah, yeah. Um, if he's surrounded by a good forward pack, that's steamrolling people. And he's got and Sam Walker ends up being half the player. He, uh, he's been, or if it's Luke Keary, whichever one it ends up being, they're both great players. Well, well Keary is, and it looks like Sam Walker will be. Um, then that's something they can explore. But in saying that, I mean, if, if, if they've got Sam Walker and Luke Keary both on the books next year, I question whether it's worth not having one of those guys, which would be Walker, not in first grade to move yeah. arguably the best center in the game to a different position. I think I, um... I reckon Manu would be an exceptional fullback. Mm. And I've always been really impressed when he's played there in relief of I agree with that. Before, the war- before the Warriors landed Reese Walsh. I thought the move would be to say to Joe Manu, look, mate, come play for us, play fullback. You'll get fullback money. Because Manu does have really good skills, not just for a centre, but for any position. And he just doesn't always get the chance to showcase him at centre. Like, I know he has his great offloads and, like, you know, he's reaching around defenders' bodies to pop a ball up and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, I, I, I think fullback, if I was looking to move him, I'd be looking to move him to, to fullback rather than 5'8". But the Roosters have Tedesco, so you'd never, ever do that. Yeah, I feel really bad that the Roosters can't move their incredibly <laughs> good centre to either fullback or 5'8", because they also those have poor, incredibly good poor, players poor there. Thing. Those poor, those poor styles. It does now. Once we just had those two questions in a row and how we both spoke, you all spoke about it then. It now feels like we spent like the last 15 years thinking every second fullback could play 5'8 because of Darren Lockyer. Has Jack White created that for centers? Mm, yes, probably. I think Gutherson's probably helped as well. It was the, the point you made earlier, Bungard, about there being a sort of dearth of top quality centers. I think that was true, but now it's a little less true than it used to be. Because if you look at some of the best centers in the competition, and Joe Manu is one of them, but there's also um, Bradman Best and, and, and Zach Lomax and a couple of other guys. A lot of the best up and coming centers are specialist centers. Like you wouldn't play mm. Bradman Best anywhere else. I don't think he could play anywhere. Let's do it. Let's prop. put, him, put like, him at prop. He runs hard. <laughs> Or like Lomax, we saw Lomax at fullback. It didn't really work. They no. tried him on the wing and it wasn't great. Like he's a specialist center. He's an out and out center. And I, th- I think we're going to see um, we're going to see more of them over the next couple of years because it feels like, as you say, Mitch, before we were obsessed with jamming centers into all these different positions or whatever. I feel like come all the way back around, the specialist center is 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 back in our lives. Yeah, Stephen Crichton, uh, as you said that too, I, I missed him off this list of centers that are good the other week, and people were very upset with me. Panther fans being upset? <laughs> yeah, show them some respect. Something doesn't sound right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're still listening now, I think I'd probably, you know, <laughs> should give them their one shout I like, out. <laughs> I like how after the brutal war that you guys had with para fans, you've now moved just a little bit further west. Hmm. 
you know, I pre- I presume once you've co- once you've once you've settled your beef with the Panthers, you'll turn on the Tigers or something and clean up all of Western Sydney. Today, let's go. Tomorrow, the world. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, Dom Miller says, in honor of the last Broncos fan seemingly departing Milford Island on a rickety old raft without a sail, <laughs> including Kevin Walters. Well, that was I did officially. Depart the island, depart the island in the earlier pod. So good mention, Dom. He said, "Oh, it was it was like it was like when the British fled Singapore. It was heartbreaking." <laughs> Is it one? Where will Milford play next season? And two, what's the players' island you spent the most time on, despite seemingly being the sole inhabitant? I'm still there. I'm still on Alex Johnston Island, and I'm the only one that lives there, and it's great because yeah, I just keep. <laughs> Catching W's when he's and when he breaks Ken Irvine's try scoring record in four years' time, I'm going to rub it in everyone's faces. It's going to be great. Mitch Doyle, Mitch Doyle tried to come at me yesterday and said, "Oh, Josh, Brett Morris is a better, better try scorer than Alex Johnson." No, I, I didn't why, try to cover Then why does Alex that. Johnson score like 0.1 more tries per game than Brett Morris? Riddle me that, Mitchell, and Brett you, Morris, Nick Brett Campton, you didn't believe in him either. Similar strike rate and. Johnson's a very good finisher. I think Morris has more. It's not a similar strike rate. It's an extra try every 10 games. That's a lot of tries. He has more aspects to his play. Like Johnson's a. But we didn't, we weren't talking. I didn't say he was a better winger. I said he was a better finisher. He's more reasonably close to the line. Let's, let's, let's not do this. All right. What, what islands, what islands are we on? I'm on like 20, man. I got like a, I got like a Pacific atoll of islands where I am the sole inhabitant, man. It's fucking crazy. Like Brock Lamb Island. Who's on there with me? Oh God, Nobody. I was on there for you, a while. All belongs to me. You know what I'm saying? We're, I got off. I quietly hopped off Dallin with Tenny's Lesniak Island recently. Yeah, that, that was still, a traditional one. I still, I still own a hut there, man. He runs it so hard, <laughs> I like it. You know. Um, obviously, Mitchell, you're still on Joey Lelua Island. Yes, I think oh, there's a few still there. Nick Canton would be one of them. Matty McPherson's another. But he also has absolutely ruined New South Wales Cup for the last two weeks, which is maybe this is what he is now. Maybe he's a cup guy and I'm okay with it. Um, I'll be on Joey Lelua Island once global warming puts it underwater, bro. I'm trying to think the player. <laughs> that's, that's the end. I'm trying to think who I really, really... Oh, here we go. Denon Camp I stuck by with until the podcast. Um, <laughs> I think all memes aside, the guy that I supported the most through lean times was Chris Sandow. Um, and obviously, they, he was the, I think he is the halfback with the most games to never. Oh, actually, Luke Brooks is probably past him now, but he was the most, the halfback with the most games to not play a finals game, um, which is not great, but I'll always believe. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to, to think of some of my more obscure ones because like everyone was on Coltrane Island, everyone was on Philadelphia yeah. Island. Um, I, th- I feel like there's still a few more people on Tui Lola here Island. Yeah, there's a few of us there. What's he doing now? Uh, he's playing for Salford and he's playing pretty well. He's sort of Mitch, settled in. when he's... you were a young lad, were you on Motutoni Island when the Broncos signed him? I was, but also Kamaka Hunt ruined that really quickly. I, I moved true. on very fast. <laughs> very... <laughs> Good question. I don't know. I don't know. That was a great question. There's got to be some Raiders players you died with that no one else liked. Like even there's, there's Raiders players that oh. even a lot of you felt like Dane Tills, for example. I don't know if you've ever a Dane Tills guy, but there's not nah, many Raiders nah. Dane Tills. Too guys. big, too big. Game the shit's too tall. Like if he was, <laughs> he was defending on his own line, the dummy half would get underneath him every time because that's what happens when you've got a guy who's eight foot tall on the team. Well, there's a thousand Raiders guys, man. There's Hayden Hodge. There's Michael Brophy. Maybe Justin Carney. I think Justin Carney might be my number one now that I think on it because he's still only like 32 or 33. Like get him in the gym for six months 
reinvent him as a middle forward or some shit. I don't care. Just throw I've him got, out there, man. I've got one in the Justin Carney mold as well in terms of that explosive winger. Uh, Luke McDougall for me oh. in, those early, <laughs> in those early South years when he was That's their only player. good attacking player. Uh, you know, here's a Luke McDougall fact. I'm pretty sure he brother was... Brother of Adam. First, brother of Adam. But also, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was one of the first athletes in Australia to get Tommy John surgery. Good stat. Because he, it was during one of his many injury layoffs. And there was a big yarn in the paper about how he flew over to Arizona to go to the clinic that all the um, baseball pitchers go to to get it fixed up. I'm like, well, maybe this will fix him. And it didn't. But like, who cares? It didn't. Do you know who the first athlete to get Tommy John surgery was? Um, was it Thomas John? It was. Correct. Incredible. Well yeah. uh, Luke McDougall is also one of the guys that Craig Bellamy thought he could fix as well. He's, I like That's those true. players. And you know that was also like after eight years of injuries, he still thought this is this is the goal. I can do it. He, he couldn't oh, do it. I figured out my actual answer. I can't believe it took me this long. It's for the real fans. It's Ben Roberts. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. Like get him in the right system. I'm telling you. Well, I've talent, got a, boom. I've got a few on top of um top of Den and Camp. There's Tame Tupo, Gary Tupo, <laughs> to be called. I was, uh, you, you won't believe this. I was watching some Tame Tupo tape. Earlier this week, like there's, yeah. there was like a 10 minute highlights clip on YouTube. That's just him stomping people playing for Bradford. It's awesome. Awesome. Uh, Fraser Anderson, two games for Brisbane, went to the, <laughs> went to the Sharks. Leon Bott, there's a few people still there for the, uh, he was great in club rugby down here. And then the one I was in on was Ashley Alberts, who was awful for Manly, but oh. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Leon Bott. Leon, Leon Bott killed a man, didn't he? He did. Blame by just by hitting him incredibly early. That's another one on YouTube. Watch that. Yeah, that that's the up. one I'm thinking of, right? When he hits that guy laughably early. Yes. Oh uh, yeah, man. That's nice. It's easy to stay on the island of those guys who like their candle burned so bright and so fast that they disappeared. Like the ones I abandoned was like I was in on Steve Michaels, but it was like, look, mate, enough of this shit. Like, <laughs> go away so I can just let the guys die in peace. Yes. But uh. I do like, by the way, this is what Leon Bott just said. I just um, Google put him in Wikipedia, and it said first thing on his page is not to be confused with, with Le- not to be confused with Leonidas Bott. No, <laughs> <laughs> who's Leonidas Bott? What's his story? I don't know, but he's a, oh, he's a cricketer. Se- the Leonidas Boston, Cecil Bott. Oh, actually, that reminds me of a not to be confused with the other day. I was bored, so I was going through the I, can't, I was going through all the grand the grand final winning teams like squads from the last decade or so. And I thought that like Junior Paulo had been like a 16-year-old on the Dragons 2010 roster, but it was actually a different Junior Paulo who's now in jail for drug trafficking. Yeah, Junior Paulo and Wella Haraki used to kick around with Jared Hainor. They were with Hain when he got shot at at King's Cross that time. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he played, I'm pretty sure he played for the US in a World Cup as well. It's a, a rich... Wasn't that Junior Vivi? Vi? Then Junior Paulo as well. That was oh, okay. Junior. Both of them. All right. Cool. And Joseph Paulo. Oh, Junior Viva, I still believe in him. Also, down at Damon Ali Tobio because he's got six tries in a Jersey flag game once. And I was like, well, that's pretty good. That's a lot of tries. Uh, Malcolm Webster and Kane Morgan, two other South boys that I really liked that never did anything. Roy Bell. Have we forgot? Have we not mentioned Roy Bell yet? <laughs> well, no, because you and me are both still on Roy Bell. That's true. Where are you Great standing question. on Joven Clark? <laughs> he's still my beating heart. Okay. Um, the not so mature age student. Who do you think has their head in the sand more? Peter V thinking all the praise of rule change from mainstream media is valid and not just attempt to find an attempt to financially cripple the game to make the next broadcast deal complete dog shit for the NRL or the entire population of Cooper Pedy? 
Um, yeah, look, I mean, that one is largely rhetorical, but it is funny. Yes, it is. It's, it is a question. <laughs> and then he says, also, which of the Dragon Stars will Griffin be resting after Origin this year? Or does Ben Hunt's injury now count as a rest? Well, Adam Clune's <laughs> going to play Origin, so I don't know what we're talking about here. No. God, I saw did Adam Clune, is he, he's 40. Oh, this is great. I saw that photo that got, he looks yeah. 37, yeah. Yeah, handsome, handsome Jack Cronin said he looks like the 35-year-old Englishman who plays reserve grade at every single club in the country. He does. And it's just, it's, incre- it's incredibly, it's incredibly apt. I cannot believe he's 25. When I look at his photos now, it's like, no, you, you, this is, that's a lie. <laughs> I want papers. Imagine, imagine that. Imagine, Bungus, imagine the scandal when we break the story that Adam Clune's actually 50. Yeah, we'll blow, we're going to blow the roof off this whole organisation. <laughs> it's the he's the Stanley Ganey of our generation. Oh, Watch your mouth out. Okay, uh, Liam Pythago says, "How do, does the reserve rule work in state cup, and how does it relate to the NRL's new 18th man rule?" I guess I'll answer this one: is that it's only one concussion in reserve grade. You can get someone on. So I don't know if it really relates in that sense. Okay. No, anyone? No, nah, no, I don't know. I don't care. The biggest T says, hi, Nicholas. Great to hear you on another F mate. He says, I'm proposing we swap the 89 grand final result and you get the 2019 result. Initial thoughts. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, um, that's a tough one, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to decline even though I wasn't alive in 1989, because I think it's, it's so important to the Raiders entire mythos and the identity of the club and all that. And, it's a it's it's a it's a good cachet thing. It's a good history thing for the club to have to have played in the greatest grand final ever. And I've watched that game so many times. It does almost feel like that I that it, you know that I was alive when it happened. You know, so I'm going to have to decline biggest T. Okay, and his next question is for the table. He says, he said, understandably, your mighty West Tigers, the Versace team of the NRL, <laughs> is the official team of the podcast Correct. in the NRL. He said, can he submit that the Helensburg Tigers also be named the official team of the potty in the New South Wales women's comp? Um, no. I don't know who else is in. Is, are Souths in that? Yes. Oh, then no, I can't. Well, but also, like, I've got no affinity to Helensburg. I mean, what do I you... Have, I, have a, I have a minor um, affiliation with Helensburg. I had some mates that played there. Russell Aitken, captain, coached them a couple of years ago. I do remember something. you mentioning that. Um, no, yeah. I'm 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 Forestville ferrets till I die. Yeah. Well, you know, I gotta respect that. No, yeah. no, nobody goes to Helensburg. You go to Helensburg on a way to Stanwell Tops to watch those dickheads fly those kite things off the thing. <laughs> like, get out of this here. Yeah, okay. Next question from Christopher he says, Who what do you think of this list of the best goal kicking winners in NRL history? Okay. Number one, El Mastery. Oh god. Oh, I know where this is going. Yes, two, Daryl Halligan. Three, Jared Croker. I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I couldn't sell it because I read it and it was it was too funny. You started giggling straight away. It's a tough one. Um, well, the thing that my man is missed. Jared Croker plays in the centers. No, I don't know. Oh, Easy mistake to make. There you go. Just how it happens sometimes, eh? <sighs> Warwick Ahern. Who's the more protected species in the NRL currently? Kickers against def- defense or Peter Vlandis against the rule changes? Uh, again, rhetorical, but the latter. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mitch, oh, Mitch Gregson, Michael Gregson. Is Excuse Mitch, me? Yes, that's what I know. I read Mitch the next week because was Mitchell Pierce's pec tear a result of ah. the strain? 
that his current million dollar salary has on the oh, roster. God's sake. <laughs> it's all salary cap management, fellas. It always yep. is. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and here we go. He says, please explain how Penrith can be good and the new rules be bad at the same time. May also record, maybe also record a complimentary video with finger puppets to assist with the explanation. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Penrith would be good regardless. I just yeah, think correct. they're the best at bending these rules and that's widened the gap. I don't think this is, I think, and Shanter is not one of these people. He's one of like the three Penrith fans that isn't insane, but um, this is, I think the point that people are missing. We're not saying that if the rules went back to where they were in 2019, that the Bulldogs would be better than Penrith or that Manly would be better than South. We're not mm. saying that. We're just saying that the current rules have widened and accentuated the gap between the good teams and the shit teams. I think if the rules reverted back to 2018 or 2019 tomorrow, I think Penrith would probably still be one of the top two or three teams. They just wouldn't, they'd just be beating the shit teams by slightly less. And maybe they might lose one every now and again. I really like watching Penrith. I love the swagger they play. Yeah, same. Like one of my favorite players in the competition. But they've conceded 16 points in four games. Like, I think they'd be good. They'd be good regardless. I've no doubt of that. But, yeah, I think they're one of the te- they're one of the teams that has learned to use these new rules really well, um, and that's not a slight on them. That's what you got to do. That's what everyone should be doing. I think Canberra is the same. I think it really suits Canberra because they're so uh, that so much of their play is based up the middle of the field. So, you know, it's a compliment, man. You've worked out the game. I don't know why he's getting all bent out of shape. Yeah, I think that's the funny part too because even their coach probably speaks about how they abuse the rules. Like their coach says it too, and. It's not a slight on the team. They're really good. They're a good team regardless. They're good at taking advantage of the rules. And we all wish our teams were as good as doing what doing it as they are. But it doesn't mean the game as a whole is doing okay because Penrith are doing okay, you dolts. <laughs> uh, Matt Coleman, all the way from Qatar. He says, hi, my question is for Nick Television's Nick Campton. Campton. He says... When are you going to rock up to one of these Graham Annesley press conferences and hit him with, with a, here's a stat for you. We fucking <laughs> suck. <laughs> um, man, I find those press conferences that Annesley does so, so boring. They're so, I had to watch the whole one last week. I nearly fell asleep. They're so dry, man. They're so dry. Um, to answer Matt's question, probably next week now. Yes, do it. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to do something to get fired. So yeah, this is as good a thing as any. And then I'm going to live in Qatar with Coleman, so it's going to be great. There you go. Miss you, Coleman. There we go. Patrick, Patrick Lawrence says, "Is it time to evaluate how shit the Dragons are? Is their form down the PVL ball allowing the potential for unlimited tackle sets? And should we expect another eleven premierships in a row?" I think, I mean, they've obviously benefited from playing some bad teams, but I think they've played quite well in all four of their games. And they got, obviously they got a bit lucky against Newcastle with the injuries, but no, they've been good. They've been pleasantly surprising. And I don't know, this is kind of what I said in the preseason about, I just don't think hook teams are ever going to be so embarrassingly bad that they're going to come last. Uh, and we're seeing a little bit of that steel and that sort of dour defensiveness that they were known for when he was coaching Penrith and Brisbane in the past. Um no, they're okay. I mean, I don't think they're going to make the finals or anything crazy like that, but at this point, they seem to be well and truly a class above that bottom four. Lads, let me hit you with something. Is Hook Griffin the Jeff Fisher of the of the NRL? Yeah, it's perfect. 
Yes. Yeah. Like it's it's it doesn't matter what the team is, he'll get them to a basic level of competence all the time. All yeah. the time, you know. Yeah, it's like he's getting some okay footy out of like Daniel Daniel Alvaro as well and Tarek Simmons have been a bit revitalized, which they needed a lot to to stand any chance this year of picking up a couple of W's, but he's been good and then you know, it hasn't hurt hurt that Hunt has been, had a good season too and hasn't hurt that the opposition hasn't been top. But, you know, you've got to win those games still. You know, they had to yeah. still – they still had to beat the Cowboys up there when both of them had all their cattle. And I know they didn't do it that convincingly, but they did it. Yeah, exactly. And, like, when you talk to the Dragons players and they talk about what Hook's got them doing differently, like, a lot of it makes sense. I, I interviewed um, Matt Dafty after the, the win over Manly. And he said the whole idea that they're looking forward to their spine is instead of splitting it or going with a traditional first or second receiver, they all go around the field together as a unit. And I thought that's an interesting idea. You know, it, it's, it's maybe not as dire as things sort of seemed in the preseason. You know, I think we all have very low expectations for the Dragons, but I think, that, you know, they're going all right. Hook's doing a pretty good job. They're not one of the trash teams that's considered 4,000 points in the first four games. So. Until they do, then we start making it a bad five. <laughs> <laughs> And then when That's it's a, yeah, I did like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to hammer on this Annesley press conference, but I did like, like the top eight comparison that, like, oh, the top eight games are still close. It's like, well, unfortunately that's only half the competition and we only first to watch just top eight games in the finals. It's like, we want all the games to be competitive. <laughs> anyway, I, I also do think um, he's done like, surprisingly okay with like Josh Kerr in the back row. It hasn't been great, but it's, I thought it'd be much worse than it was going to be. Well, yeah, I think Kerr's one of those guys. As long as you gave him a job, he was always going to perform it pretty well because he's just such an exuberant dude. Like, he's one of those guys who I'd always have him in my team just for the vibes because he's just he's just he's just he's just one of those fellas. So empowering him and giving him a starting spot and all that, I think it was always going to turn out pretty well. Even though like my eyebrows were a little bit raised when he was starting on the edge, that's the thing that's working. I've actually really liked Jack Bird this this mm. opening month as well. I wasn't sure what we could expect just because it had been so long since he played regularly. And that move late from the forwards to the centres, it sort of rang a few alarm bells for me because it happened so late. But Bert, Bert has said himself that like he, get, he gets gas playing out in the centres, so there's no point playing him playing in the forwards. I'm like, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense too. So, yeah, yeah. there you go. The Dragons, not shit. And also, I like Matt Dufty's touching the ball like 30 times a game. Like He's getting far more involved than just being the fast guy at the back of everything. He's, he's heavily involved in their play. So, yeah, he's been quite good. And one, well, I had one more dragon in my head there, and I've lost it. Screw it. We're moving on. <laughs> uh, ben Wallace. He said, the new rules versus poor management thing is out of the hand. Hey, this doesn't look like a question at all. Anyway, it says, if Elvis hits in the camp that the rules have had an overwhelming effect, but it isn't the only factor in this. If you had to weigh it up on percentages, what would you assign these four factors to explain this year's lopsided results? New rules. Shit, don't, make, don't make me do maths, man. I know. New Shit, rules. I got it. Cap, poor coaching, player skill. Uh, new rules is number one. Player skill is number four. Coaching is number two. Cap is number three. I'm a percentage, but we'll take it. <laughs> now, you, you weigh those percentages how you'd like to weigh them from there, from there Ben. Uh, okay. That's all of them on Patreon, but over yep. to Discord. Before you get to Discord, I will give a quick shout out to the people in the top two tiers of our uh, Patreon subscriptions. Um, and if you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. The only way to ensure that your questions will be answered. Um, and the only way to uh, 
join our Coltrane Cup tipping competition, which although, I mean, you could jump in now, but I don't know why you would after five rounds. But Mitchell, um, another easy win for both of us this week. Who are you tipping for round five? It's a tough week. Because, it is because neither of us can tip the Storm or Souths. Correct. And I would have loved to tip the Tigers at home against the Cowboys, but it's hard to tip them with Tamalola returning. I'm leaning towards that to get the Tigers tip out of the way. But other than that, I also don't mind the Warriors hosting the Sea Eagles. I might. They're both tips you've got to get get done at some point. I think I might go the Tigers. Yeah, I mean that was what I was thinking as well. Tempted by the Eels, but given that uh, Campo and I will be going to Leichhardt, I would like to cheer the boys on in person. So I will be going with Los Tigres as well. Yeah, the the thing different for me for the Warriors is they're missing Fanua Blake and and Bunty Afoa for this game, and I know that's what scared me off. That's it. Oh, Campo, you're also in this competition. Who are you picking? I yeah I don't know I um didn't read the rules properly. <laughs> oh yeah, he tipped like, South last week and he's like taking Melbourne this week easy. I was like no. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't I did not realize that I couldn't tip against the same team two weeks in a row. Um, I don't know. I might just go. I might go Canberra just out of support. You know that what I mean? That is insane. You're playing I know, Penrith. Dude, it's, I know it's insane. I'm not going to win anyway. Who cares? I'm You're undefeated, win. mate. Yeah, I know, but everyone's fucking undefeated. No, no they're not. Uh, not the anonymous backer who picked the Warriors last <laughs> that week. Is, that is the toughest of looks for the anonymous backer. I'm yeah. gonna, oh, I'm gonna feed him about that. Don't worry about that. Oh, a clue. Ooh, <laughs> it must be Edwin Smith again. Correct. No, it's um, it's it's it's, it's, it's Buzz Rothfield, obviously. Um, <laughs> a quick shout out to the people in the top two tiers of our Patreon. They are Dave, Carla Tyson, Wayne Ritchie, Adam White, Ando, Ben Wallace, Blake Moretti, Butsy, Cam Bezwick, Chris Avnell, Chris Slade, CTO, Dan Cullinane, Doc Hogg, the anonymous backer, Frankie, Harvey G, Jace G, Jack Snape, Jake Harper, James K, Joel Wrigley, Josh Brandon, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, Maddie Jenkins, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, Maddie McPhee, Michael Murray, Morgan Watkins, Never Trendy, Razor, Reese Brown, Roxanne Clark, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Swarzy, Ty, the Not So Mature Student, Thor Laycock, uh, Tom Hardy, and Warwick Ahern. Thank you. Okay. It's a good group. The question's on Discord. I'm going to skip Harvey's question about injuries because the Knights team doesn't look that bad. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The only way to ensure your questions are, are answered is to go on our Patreon. Unless you ask a shit question, Harvey, which case Mitch is just going to not answer it. Dragging dudes off the hill. Like, yeah. <laughs> chucking them in a jersey and sending them out there. But nah, it's not too bad. I might tip him this week. There you go. Uh, regularly wrong said, "Is the Pierce off injury the pers- perfect opportunity for Seabold to wind his way?" What God? I'm too excited by this dumb question. Let me <laughs> let me calm down. Is the Pierce injury the perfect opportunity for Seabold to widehead his way into becoming the Bronco Knights coach? God, I'm broken. Jeez, it was weird saying Seabold in the box on Sunday, wasn't it? I don't know if he's been in the box. Also, he has, but I don't know. It just it just looked really strange. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that like they're not calling him, they're not calling him a assistant coach. Because, I don't know why, but he's clearly an assistant coach. <laughs> he's in the box. Anyway, uh, next question: Th- Thrust Croissant. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. The Thrust Croissant asks, "Why is the prospective 18th man only for HIAs? Surely it could be used for significant injuries in a match." I want to imagine he got ejected from a, like a nice patisserie somewhere for going full Jim from American Pie on a croissant. And that's how he got the nickname. <laughs> I like it. 
Thank you. Uh, no, I don't think you can do it just for serious injuries because theoretically injuries are just part of this sport and there shouldn't always be a, a, a there shouldn't always be a safety net for mm-hmm. a, a knee rec- like for someone blowing an ACL out or something like that. There has to be some element of attrition. There has to be some element of allowing chaos to invade the sport, you know? Otherwise, where does it end? You know, yeah. like, do we have 45 man benches and every time someone goes down with a bunk shoulder or something, like get him off, chop him up and feed him to the poor, send someone else out there, you know? <laughs> um, I agree with the foul play rule 100%. And if you think they're going to. I thought you said you were going to agree with feeding injured players to. Oh, yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> but um, um, the idea that people are like, oh, they'll fake injuries to get a different player on there. It's like, if that player was better, he'd be in the team ahead yeah. of that guy. I mean, there is maybe potential that could happen when someone's out of substitutions or something. I guess, yes. But but... but I'm with Campo. It can't be for every injury. And I know significant injury, where do you draw the line? Do you have to go, oh, they have to break their leg. And then that's it. The HIA one makes sense because the HIA is what is is causing us to lose numbers of players that weren't happening in the game a decade ago. Yeah, well, and again, like we talk about coaches exploiting the rules, like, are you telling me that you couldn't see, you know, a coach kneecapping a dude with 10 minutes to go and saying, oh, look, he's cracked his kneecap, you know, get him out of here. Yeah, I mean, they could just put their arm in a, you know, in a shirt sling and go, oh, it's your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, very serious injury, but if you're right for next week, we've got the best medical staff in the comp, mate. <laughs> okay. Um, Benny DT, they asked, how long do you really think it'll take for a changing of the rules? More so getting rid of the six again for offsides. Bah, man, who knows? Who knows? They brought in these rules with two weeks' notice last year, you know? So I don't know. I, I think trying to trying to predict how anything will go in terms of rules just seems to be a bit of a fool's errand. And it's not just with, with rules. It's kind of with everything the NRL is doing, you know? They just sort of the, – one of, one of Volandi's great strategies, he just sort of throws ideas out into the media kind of willy-nilly. Sees if it sticks. If it sticks, you know, maybe they take it further. If it doesn't, you know, it's it, it's it's abandoned. So it's one of those things where, you know, it feels like anything's possible. You know, Valenius could come out and say, oh, you know what, lads? We're actually just turning it back to a Sydney comp. All the teams outside of Sydney got to relocate, come back home, and we're having a 16-team comp in Sydney. What do you think about that, you know? And it happens, mate. He just throws them out. It doesn't happen. There'd be two weeks of discourse about whether that was a good idea or not. And based on that discourse, they then make a decision. You know, that's the whole listening to the fans thing, which, you know, is kind of crazy if you ask me. But I don't know. I don't know. It could end tomorrow. It could end in 10 years. It's impossible to say, I reckon. Yeah, the, definitely the 10 meter one. I mean, that was egregious to me when it came in, but I, don't, I can't predict where it's going to go. Uh, next question, Ben Qualiata. <laughs> there you go. You got it. I, I could get it the first time. I, just, I like saying Ben Quagliata. Benny uh, Quags, my guy. Oh, Quags over here, he says. Do you think the Raiders signing either Mansell or Tedesco when they were chasing them would have mattered in the development of the great man, Seabass? The Seabass himself, the master of the oceans, the lord of the waves. Isn't it funny? We were talking all off-season about how Canberra didn't really have the backline depth, and we all had Tomoko or Smith Shields kind of picked as the as the guy who was going to step in and replace Croker for a couple of weeks. But instead, it was the Seabass himself swimming against the tide like the mighty salmon or tuna or whatever the fuck. And I'm just <laughs> so impressed with him. Not just in attack. Like he, he could always run. I watched him a fair bit in the 20s and in Reggie's, and he could always run. But I think his defense has been really good. 
on both sides of the field as well with new combinations. He slides really well without ever getting put on his back heels. And, um, and especially given he was out of the NRL all last season, you know, he was, he was, he was on, um, he was on sick leave, I believe for some, I, I don't actually know what it was, so I don't want to speculate or anything like that, but he didn't train with the Raiders all last year. And he only came back to him on a train and trial deal just before the preseason started. And now he's looking like a, a genuine first grader, you know, and if, if, if Canberra can't play him, in the years to come, which I don't think they're going to be able to. There's a fair few clubs where I don't think he'd look out of place at all. He's, he's been one of the great success stories of the year so far, I reckon. I'm uh, willing to speculate, as a, as a man from the sea, it was likely scurvy that he missed the year with, so yeah, that's the speculation. Sea, sea, but that is what land lovers get when they <laughs> the sea bass is of the waves, you know? Oh, Clearly he had the ocean and the ocean is salmonella. Oh, God. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I will say it's for mine. I'd if I was coaching the side, and I'm not. I would keep him in over Curtis Scott. I can see where you're coming from, but I do think Scott was pretty good in the games he played. He just didn't had a he hadn't had a big breakout attacking performance. But I thought his defense was pretty good, with the exception of the Warriors game when he had the fucked rib and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad if they gave Scott a week or two in the Reggies to sort of get his form back because like. I trust the sea bass with my life, and so should you, man. The ocean's a powerful thing, and he can manage. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matty McP25 says, Who on earth thought that bringing little man backs, the little man back, sorry, during big man season was a good idea? Little man's never been gone. Yeah. It is I big mean- man season, though. Matty's hit the nail on the head right there. We're entering, I think, our 14th or 15th month of big man season, if not more. Mm. And, uh, long may it continue. You know they talk about global warming changing the seasons, and yet, and yet the Dalian leaderboard is headed round. by Reed Marnie, a very small man. Yeah, disgrace. Yeah. Okay, next question comes from the Thrust Croissant again. He's back, back just sticking it in all sorts of pastries. <laughs> and this is for Campo. He says, "I remember Campo saying he had less time to write now than now, but does he have any upcoming similar projects to the North Sydney Bears piece?" I'm sorry, thrust croissant. I, I don't at the moment. I have a heap of ideas. Like I have a heap of ones that I'd love to I'd love to do. But yeah, it's it's like I said last time. You know, I'm I'm more I'm a lot more consumed with the day to day stuff um, right now. So it makes it harder to do sort of longer term things. I've got a couple of ideas that I'm going to try and put into place over the next couple of months um, that might result in a north type thing. But it is it is hard to find the time. And the north like and the the north thing itself. Even though I was working on it a lot, it took me. Oh, six months, seven months, eight months. Took me a long, a long time to track down all the boys and do all the research and all that sort of thing. So I, 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 hopefully, hopefully I'll have something maybe by finals or something like that. That's a similar, maybe not similar magnitude because fuck me, it was long, but so <laughs> I, I'm guessing, similar I'm guessing depth. your pitch of a 15,000 word autobiograph- autobiographical tale on Matt Gaffer did not go over very well. Well, look, we're still in discussions about that, so I don't want to uh, comment at this time. But, uh, yeah, I, I love doing it, though, and I would love to do more of those sorts of things if there was the scope or the appetite for them. Okay. Uh, next question. Reese Brown says, will this Friday night's game stack up to the banger in Bathurst? <laughs> Man, did it tough that day. <laughs> that that might be the darkest night. place you've ever been to. I don't know, man. I'm a pretty dark person. Nah. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not really. I'm not really. No, nah, that was one of those ones. I was living with Mitch at the time, and Mitch was out doing 
something. I don't know what it was. An escape room I got dragged to. I wasn't very happy because it was during the footy. I knew it was something weird. But I was watch I watched I watched the game at home and all that sort of thing. And I, I remember very vividly that with about three minutes to go, if not a little bit more, Nick Kotrick had a try disallowed and it would have tipped him over to thirteen plus. And I was on him thirteen plus and I was thinking, oh fuck, that's a that's a kick in the ass, isn't it? Losing a bet like that, because you know, it was a pretty close run thing. And then the Bathurst stuff happened and I legit sat in the dark for about an hour and stared at the wall. Didn't watch the third game or anything like that. And then for some reason, I felt like I had to do something with my hands. So I started cleaning the house, which that, that's, mom, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I very rarely did, if ever, <laughs> which neither of us did. That place was a fucking hole by the end. But yeah, it was one of those. And it was one of those ones where I didn't want to watch footy for like two or three days. And that's only happened a couple of times in my entire life. So yeah, it's fucking horrible. I'm so glad you brought it up, whoever did. <laughs> Thanks, Reese. I am too. Uh, and Thorson, so Nathan Thorson again says, who is Campo's tip for the Group 6 Premiers this year, First and Reggie's? So I was on Discord when this question come through and I thought it was the best question ever. So I actually made a couple of calls. It's kind of, it's difficult to know what you're going to get from some of the teams because a few of them didn't play last year. So my tips obviously for both comps is Camden. But if you're looking for a value bet, I think you could have a look at Mittagong. Mittagong have recruited... Jeremy Lattimore, Bryson Goodwin, and Mitch Allgood this season. Mittagong are traditionally maybe not a powerhouse, but those are three really good players. All were in the NRL or Super League not too long ago. So they'd be my, they'd be my team to watch, I reckon. Them and Norellan. Norellan have got Penny Terrapo captain coaching him. And there's rumours that Ben Roberts might come and have a game as well. So I think, I think it's the Appen Bulldogs comp to lose. Oh, Appen doesn't have a team this year, you idiot. Oh, I've embarrassed myself. Oh, you've done it to yourself. Is it? All I'm saying is we're talking about salary cap management. The good teams in Nevada separate that level as well, it seemed. What, what a couple of signings. <laughs> oh, mate, it's unbelievable. And Lattimore, Lattimore's only playing for him because the, the son of the president of the Mittagong Lions, so this dude is just like a Reggie's player or something, and he messaged Lattimore on Instagram, said, mate, come have a game. Bring mates if you have them. Lattimore said, yes, yeah, sweet. I'll bring Bryson Goodwin. He played in the NRL last year. And Mitch Allgood, who played um, championship in England last year. And you're like, mate, that's, a, that's unbelievable. Mate, Bryson Goodwin's like, that's a good get for that level. Like yeah. He said, he, NRL last year. Great get. Great get, mate. They, they just can't resist the, the, the lure of a charming Southern Highlands town. And who among us could? Okay. Uh, next question. Justin says, was Gus Gould right when he said to scrap the Toyota Cup? And is he also right now when he said it should never have been scrapped? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny. That's it. That's pretty much sums it up. M says, oh, this is a good one. If you're making a rugby league Twitter alt account, would you make it an anagram of your name with a Snapchat gender something filter profile picture? Or... Would you simply be your name plus your phone number, Mark yeah. Levy style? <laughs> I that I was addicted to reading stuff about that all day. It is incredible. If people have missed this, if people have missed this, there's like a Australian political journalist or some shit who is like quite online. There's always arguing with people on Twitter, blah blah blah. Anyway, someone unbe- someone discovered like a couple of alt accounts, which were clearly her like, and they found out that the display pictures on these. Uh, accounts was just her face with like a Snapchat face. So one was her turned into a bloke, and another one was her with like with her face changed. 
Um, and then, yeah, so she's been getting dragged all day for that. It was extremely funny. Um, I think that is slightly more overt than the levy method. I'd have to go phone number because there's not a lot of girls running around with big red beards. So I think my cover would get blown pretty early. You could just not have a beard in the girl one. I, I, I'll be honest with you, Bungers. I don't know a whole lot about Snapchat filters. That's weird that you wouldn't know about that. It feels like something he wouldn't know about, though. Yes, the man, the man who doesn't trust Google Maps. <laughs> yes. Um, I do feel like the reason... There's, there's, there's no good reason for either of these. I feel like <laughs> out of these two ones, the reason why I wouldn't pick the one where I have to swap genders is that you're, you're doing a double act here. Not only are you being an alt... On, on Twitter, you're also being an alternative gender. I have, have to do two falsities there. Mm. The other one, I'm just trying to act like another dickhead. I can do dickhead. Mm. Um, Matty McP says, have the Dragons been good or lucky? Good. I mean, they've had a fortunate draw in a lot of ways, but they've been good. They haven't fluked any of their games. I suppose they're a bit fortunate that the Knights got a couple of injuries, but then they also had that no try go against them early on in the game, which I thought was a bit unlucky as well. It was probably the right call in the end, but um, yeah, no, I, I think they've been just better than we've expected. Yep, that's it. Uh, he also says, oh, how much of the Knights' current injury <laughs> crisis is Wayne's fault? Uh, Wayne Pierce or Wayne Bennett? <laughs> one, of, any, one of the Waynes, anyone. Uh, a, a, a Wayne. <laughs> Get Wayne Bartram on the phone. Tell him to sort it out. Yep. I'll tell you, it does, it does feel like this happens to Newcastle a lot. It feels like they are constantly beset by injury. It's all the asbestos in the air, mate. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough then. Yeah, and generally, as uh, our good friend NRL Physio said, after a while, it's no longer coincidence. Correct. Clubs have bad years and similar, but after a long time, anything soft tissue related, it's no longer coincidence. Uh, Next question. Uh, Ben Qualiata. Says why are Penrith fans all getting made fun of on Twitter because we built the right way and our club has great roster management compared to the other fifteen spud clubs. It's a fair question. <laughs> the thing is, if they're that good, I don't know why they give a shit. Like, yeah, no. If Canberra were that good, I wouldn't care about anything that anyone said to me ever. Because like, it's like, oh, well, you're only good because you're smart about how you play. It's like, oh shit, maybe you're right. You know. Yeah, I used to love that. Like when the Broncos are good back in the halcyon days of 2016 or so, uh, I used to like when people were so mad at anything the Brisbane did. Like, I don't understand why the the Penrith fan base is so obsessed with getting credit for anything. I don't know what it is. It's it's a bizarre thing for me. Uh, and his like, next, it's like, when, it's like when Canberra was doing all the one on one steals and people were saying, "Oh, well, it's not in the spirit of the game," and getting into them about it. It's like, well, dude, who cares? Like. <laughs> We're stealing the ball. Do something about it. You know, who cares what you say? Exactly. Uh, he also says, is the solution to the current problems in the NRL to simply kick Souths out again? Let him speak. <sighs> and the last Discord question, Harvey says, if the Cowboys do manage to pry Tom Dearden away from Brisbane, what will be more horrifying? One, watching how Dearden plays after being ruined by North Queensland coaching. Or two, Mitch's body count after he goes in a rage fueled homicidal rampage at Broncos HQ. Uh, mate, I would be shattered if we lost Tom Dean, but we have lost better players than Tom Dean in the last decade. I will live. I will only kill maybe three or four people. So, and they, they, they all will have had it coming. Yeah, all superfluous to needs of society. 
Uh, I, am, I am interested to, to hear what you reckon about why it is all going wrong for Todd Payton up there. Because I know he was he was your boy and mine for the way he was talking in the preseason and all that sort of thing. And I, I can't really think of a reason. that I know the roster maybe isn't as strong as we thought it was, but I can't really think of a reason they're so bad beyond they're just not putting in. Like, is it more than that? Or do you think it is just like they're just not trying as hard as they should? I don't know if he's rocked the boat too hard too quickly. If you get me, like it's all good to come in and uh, shake up and change the culture around. But if you still have to steer with all the same players, it's like maybe, you know, slowly rock the boat. <laughs> you know, if you want to actually win some games this year, but it does seem like a lot of that, like a lot of that playing group already knows that their days are numbered there or they don't want to work with Todd. And a lot of them seem to not give a shit about their professional performance on the field either. Like I do know if you, and you probably noticed already, Todd has definitely reeled in the realism. Already in press conferences, he didn't and clearly didn't enjoy the first couple of weeks of the media, like turning everything he said into a massive story, and all yeah. of a sudden the stories are gone. Yeah, and that was a that was a that was a shame. I thought it was well, probably always going to happen, but it's a shame because even when they were losing and they were playing like shit, just hearing him speak plainly about it was really good. I was at the game on Saturday, and I was at that I was at that presser as well. And he the, the one thing I said, the one thing that he said that really stood out to me is when he said that there are players making individual choices with their efforts that aren't up to NRL standard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably, that seems to me to be the crux of the, of the problem, you know, and it's not a lot of the time it's the same guys every week, but it's not always the same guys every single week. So you can't just fix it by dropping four or five guys. I think it's a, we, we all thought he was walking into a roster that was ready to contend. If he just sort of, you know, Tweaked a few things, slapped them around the head, and got them going again. But uh, they they seem to be set for a a greater rebuild than maybe we anticipated. Yeah, there's still a couple of guys that you thought could go either way, but they've all gone all gone the one way. Yeah, they yeah. have, and like yeah, guys like and Eastern Masters is like fool's gold for coaches, and will be for another number of years. People believe in talented players. He's one of those guys that will keep getting contracts, and every coach will tear their hair out. Oh, to, to wind it back, I'll be the last man on SR Masters Island. Yeah, well, there you go. Oh, that's, that's terrible. I can't put my finger on why I think it's all gone wrong up there. It's just been so quick, so bad, so quick. I know. Oh, and, no. and uh, yeah, it's. I know Bungard has numbers on this in the past, and it's it's very rare a coach comes in and does terribly and turns it around. But I think it's just been cranked to a hundred by like these rules also require further effort to not get ruined. And like you know, you could you couldn't you can take the piss in the past and maybe get away with like a twenty point loss or a twelve point loss. Now when you're taking the piss and the points just keep piling on, it's definitely highlighted how uh, how easily some of those guys have packed it in under Toddy. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it has, and I, I do think it's interesting that he came out against the new rules quite strongly. Maybe 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 more strongly than 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 any other coach. So maybe it doesn't suit his style. Maybe he. They do have a pretty big pack that's not exactly yeah, the most maybe, mobile. Maybe the players aren't, aren't as prepared for the changes as they could have been. I don't know. I'm, I'm still hoping he can turn it around, though. I know it's unlikely, but I'm still on Team Todd. Yeah, I do get scared by... um. There's more at recruitment at play at that club than just the head coach. They've definitely had one of those more of those structures where the, the head coach has handed the roster with a bit of say on it, but it's not fully his his roster. I get a little scared when I start already hearing the Moses and buy stuff and other things. It's like, you're just signing the same type of players, guys. You're signing guys with reputations who are past their best and hoping. But you kept doing that and you end up with like Josh Maguire, Val Holmes, 
on terrible deals. You end up with even like not even a bad deal, but SR Masters was a reputation signing. Justin O'Neill. You end up with like these guys in your squad. It's like maybe don't just give the deal to the guy because he played an Origin game. What? Crazy enough to work. Yeah, and and it's unfortunate for them as well. They've lost like some of the good things. They've, they've lost Frank Molo. Like they took a gamble on him, and he's worked out quite good. And, and that they've lost him, and they're they're stuck with this Val Holmes drink water mess. I think they would rather play drink water at one, but Holmes has four more years on a million dollars a year still. Like you know, what can you do there? And they've also got the Morgan issue, Maguire's contract, McLean's garbage. Now Cohen Hess is awful, but Cohen Hess is actually off contract next year, so almost they're out of that. It's as you said, there's a lot more issues there after four rounds than we expected. Uh, okay, two more questions that come from Twitter. We'll answer two Twitter questions. Uh, the anonymous backer Edwin Smith says. <laughs> Be nice, but a power team that thrives with no pressure or expectation. The start of the season, plenty were saying they're full of the eight. Now they're four and oh and looking good. But by finals and expectations build, tell me it doesn't end in heartache again. Um, I mean, the win over Melbourne was nice. And I said at the time that that was a good statement win for them. But there's just really nothing you can do at this point, mate, except enjoy it. Because it doesn't matter how many regular season games you win or how strong Mitch Moses looks when he's up by 20 against the Tigers. Although I know he got injured in this game, but that's usually what happens. But... The only way you can get this monkey off your back is making a prelim or a grand final. Um, that might happen. They've, they've looked really, really good, but yeah, we just don't know until they're. In, we just don't know until they get to the second week of the finals again and the chips are down. We just have no way of knowing. But um, yeah, you should be happy with how they're going and just just try to enjoy the ride. I think. Steer into the skid, Eddie. Believe with all your heart and get hurt again. <laughs> good advice. Uh, okay, last question here comes from. Uh, Pie Man 1987 he says Ryan Sutton has been an absolute gun this year <laughs> <laughs> he's been really good but I'll let Campo take it from here well yeah I actually thought he made some really big steps forward uh, last year particularly in the middle of the season when a lot of those front rowers got injured um, before it really sort of hit crisis point he was among the best forwards at the club um, and then he was very unfortunate to miss out on the semi finals again because he was, I'm pretty sure he was in the club's best 17 and he was going to play and he ended up playing in the baby Raiders game and um, got injured in that and therefore missed all the semi-final footy. But now healthy, I think he's definitely in Canberra's best 17, if not their best 13. He's starting this week, which I really, really like. I think he deserves to sort of hold the start after the last two weeks he's had. And um, yeah, I've just, I've always been a fan, but he's just risen in my estimations so much. I think, at the start of the year, if I was picking guys who were going to have to make way because there's only so many spots at the club that they can hold for their middle forwards, Sutton's probably the one that I would have said, well, he's good enough to start in the NRL, but just maybe not with Canberra. But now I think he's uh, he's someone they should really fight hard to keep there as long as they can. I think he's under contract for another two years, which fuck knows how they pulled that off. But uh, I was very happy to hear it. Can I quickly, before we wrap up, I'm going to go through the Raiders 17 for New South Wales Cup this weekend. Because this is fucked. <laughs> yeah. So Dinamis Louis been dropped, but so that so he's in the side. But the, the 17 is you've got Caleb Aikens at fullback, a semi Valamay one wing, Elijah Anderson the other wing. I don't not very familiar with Elijah's work. Centers are Alba Hapawadi and Matt Tomoko. So Harley Smith Shield's still not in there. Uh halves, Matt Frawley and Sam Williams. The forward pack, Emre Gula and Dinamis Louis, the front row, with Kai O'Donnell at hooker. Kai O'Donnell probably the weakness in the starting lineup. Back row. Harry Rushton, Harry Wiranaira, and Corey Horsburgh 
at lock. And then the bench has two of those baby Raiders on it. You mentioned Adam Cook and Darby Medlin. And then I don't know how to say Adrian's last name, Trevelyan, I'm guessing, and Leo Thompson. But that starting 13 is ridiculous. That starting forward pack. That's a crazy. NRL game next week. Mate, that's better than Canterbury's pack. Right. Yeah, I know. Right now, I'm not even. I'm not even playing. And those two young lads on the bench, that Brad Schneider, I've watched him play a few times. He's a real handful. And that Adam Trevelyan won the Peter Sterling Melbourne. That's the Peter Sterling Medal as the Schoolboy Player of the Year, I think, in 2018. So there's big raps on him as well. It's nuts what they're doing down there. Um, I, have, I have one other New South Wales Cup thing before we go as well. Do you know who the Rabbitohs New South Wales Cup coach is? Um, I don't. I should know that actually. I'm gonna. Okay. Right. It's, it's Ben Rogers. Oh, is it? That's amazing. No way. Yes, that's awesome. I know. I told you this the other week. Do you want to tell the punters who's on the bench for South New South Wales Cup side each and every week? Uh, Yolene Buddy Gordon, the King. Oh, what's he doing there? Well, come on, don't tell me he's running waters, or is he doing something no, more no, important? No, he's playing. He's playing. Oh, so, yeah. no, so when so the Newtown Food and Beer Festival, which is Newtown v Souths as the main game, is going to feature all your favourites, including Ben <laughs> Rogers, Yolene Buddy Gorland, probably Billy Magulius in there somewhere, um, some other Jets favourites, Tricky Trindles. It's going to be amazing, mate. We're 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 dangerously close to having Matt and Moylan grace the Henson Park turf. Because you can't drop Will the King Kennedy after the season he's put together so far. And you've got to have SJ in the team. They don't think they'd love having Moylan on the bench as a 14. We're going to get either the Chad or Moylan at that game, I reckon. I don't think we get the Chad there. But I think Moylan, I, I think that's a real possibility. He pulls on the Royal Blue at least once this season. Fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, that's that's months down the track, but we're already fronting yeah, for it. That's, but, uh, um, yeah. But yeah, well, it's good to see you New South Wales Cup now. It's getting back to that spot. I know lots of people say they'd like to see under twenties come back, but after the twenties, New South Wales Cup it turned into a bit of an under twenty twos to twenty threes competition, and and NRL clubs down here were giving up on those older aged veterans. It's good to see that it's not going that way anymore. There's some guys that you said that the old fellas hang around a bit more, but you know, there's actually some strong looking teams there. It's not just young fellows who who hung around after the, uh, NYC for a bit too long. If you're looking for proof that um, the New South Wales Cup is a really good pathway, look no further than Cronulla. Yeah. Dead set built by that Jets team that um, won the comp a couple of years ago. Like they had Will Kennedy, they had Sione Katoa, they had Ronaldo Molotalo, they had Toby Rudolph, they had Teague Wilton, they had... Um, Wasn't Teague great on the weekend too? Teague was fantastic on the weekend. They had Tricky Trindle as well. That's the genesis of what the Sharks are now and what the Sharks will be in the future. And they're not all kids either. Like, Or they're not all really young, fresh out of the 20s. Will Kennedy's 23. I think he turns 24 later this year. You know, it's a real benefit. It's a real uh, it's a real proof of the, the the value of a good open-age second-tier competition. Yeah, it, it's just that 20s, and I love that competition for what it was, but it created that weird vacuum of if you didn't make, if you didn't graduate from 20s to first grade, very often you were given up on. And it's just good to see some more teams building from reserve grade, like we've seen the better teams do, like the Storm for ages. Like, yeah, the Sharks had all these guys that like are seasoned reserve graders come into first grade, not 19-year-olds. And it's worked. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we've come to the end of another podcast. Nick, thank you for coming on. Uh, if you want to support Nick, where can they read your work? Dailytelegraph.com.au slash sports slash NRL slash author slash Nick Campton. <laughs> Uh, is there a dash between Nick and Campton? Don't know. 
Well, you need find, that's important. Find out, lads. Get on the internet machine and make it happen. Um, and if yes. you need to log into the Telegraph, let me know. I'll sort you out. Don't give them any money. Um, <laughs> give us money instead. Uh, say goodbye, Campo. Bye, guys. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. That's goodbye from me. <laughs>